What is up, YouTube? Welcome into another edition of Trey and BK live on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Hopefully, you guys were able to find your way over from the morning stream to our afternoon stream today. You'll be able to hear and watch this show. You'll be able to hear and watch Chip and Zay from 1 to 3, and then Longhorn Misfits with Kevin Dunn and Jeff Howe with a little guest appearance from me from 3 to 5. We're trying something a little bit different today. I'll explain why we're doing that here in a second, but uh, hopefully the people have been able to find this one pretty easily. Trey, what's going on, brother? How are you today? Doing all right, and the usual suspects. Oh, boy, this is already off to a rousing start. The usual suspects that you would expect to find their way to the new link are here already. That includes Jason and CB. Kudos to Javier for making it over, too, as that number of people watching right now continues to grow. What is wrong with you? Why do you sound like that? So I've been dealing with a little bit of a sore throat going back to last Thursday or Friday. And the throat was starting to feel better on Sunday and felt like I didn't have a sore throat at all when I woke up in the morning yesterday. But... The throat was also probably a little bit taxed because of what we do for a living. And on top of that, in an effort to try and help out as you uh, atone for a year's worth of, must be so many sins, and starving yourself for uh, X number of hours, I tried to help pick up some of the slack yesterday and do an hour of the morning show with Buck, an hour with Buck on the midday show, and then the usual deal on Mondays from one to three with Jeff Barker. We got about an hour into things with Jeff and I could feel my voice straining a lot. And by last night, I essentially had no more voice. So believe it or not, this is an improvement from last night at like nine 30, 10 o'clock. Justine's like, how are you going to do your show tomorrow? I'm like, I have a feeling that I'm going to have like two thirds of the day off at least. And it's possible because I'm going to try and do the midday show. I'm not going to talk a whole lot. I'm going to drink warm liquids beforehand and do some gargling and have some water and whatnot next to me too to where maybe I can get through 12 to 1. But right now, oof, I feel bad for anybody having to listen to this. I didn't think you'd be able to provide a worse visual than the guzzling of burnt orange kool-aid that you've showed us a couple of times but i think you just did with your gargling of salt water there i am still all about the burnt orange kool-aid just pour it all over me and i and nothing has happened since then <laughs> since my initial statement that has dissuaded me from a belief that texas will not only make the college football playoff but they're winning a championship this year they're the mm. most complete team in college football right now about that. Well, they looked pretty damn good on Saturday, special teams notwithstanding. We could talk a little bit more about that throughout the course of the week. Steve Sarkeesian did say earlier today that he's not making any changes with his return men. So for those of you who are hoping to see somebody else besides Xavier Worthy back there this Saturday when the Longhorns take on the Kansas Jayhawks, uh, yeah, you can stop hoping because Sark basically told us that it ain't happening. BK, we have talked about this numerous times this season now. Steve Sarkeesian is an interesting guy to listen to in a press conference setting because he sometimes gives sincere answers that let you in, that provide some insight into how he thinks about things. But there's sometimes he completely bullshits what is going on as to not give the next opponent any sort of leg up. My hope 
is that he was bullshitting people with the very quick no to whether or not they're considering other punt returners this week because you need to at least have an open tryout right now. But I'm a little bit concerned that because we've seen this out of Sark too over the last two plus seasons now, Sark has a tendency to uh, to to square peg the round hole to the point where that round hole starts to get deformed. And uh, unfortunately, he never really learns his lesson or it takes him too long to learn that lesson. Maybe Xavier Worthy still needs to be the guy, but you should at least be having open tryouts right now because Xavier Worthy is not committed to that job like he needs to be. He's making a business decision a lot of times when he has the opportunity to catch the ball in traffic. And I don't fault him for that, by the way. He is a potential number one draft pick as a wide receiver, and he gets just how dangerous that gig is. But if that's the case, and we've seen Worthy have to tap his chest to say, my bad, over the course of these last couple of games. Obviously, the fumble this last game that flipped the field for Baylor was not good and will be taken advantage of by better competition. If there's somebody else more willing to do the full scope of that job, you have to consider them right now. I'm not ready to consider anybody else just yet. Now, I am ready to consider stopping the two return men back there bit because I feel like this was the first time we saw Jordan Whittington returning punts, and it did not go very well. And that guy has had issues dropping everything this season. So I don't know what's going on with Jay Witts. We know how good of a player he can be. Hell, he had a couple of catches in the game on Saturday, but that guy, whether it's as a receiver or as a returner, he can't catch a cold right now i don't think you could catch what you had uh or what you have whatever the hell that is but uh, to me xavier worthy like he did have a good return in that game against baylor and he has had a few good returns this season so he showcased the explosivity that we know he possesses so like i'm down i don't disagree with what you said like he has made some business decisions and there have been some moments where it's like dude go catch the ball because you letting it bounce is costing texas five to ten yards of field position but I think the good with Worthy back there has outweighed the bad to where I'm not ready to start doing tryouts or, or make any changes to that spot. Look, you're right. We have seen some highlight plays from him as a punt returner. Those tend to be on those low liners, though. When you face a good punter, I do believe that he becomes more of a liability than a guy who is likely to break a big play for you. That possibility always does still exist. It is Xavier Worthy, after all. But it just seems like... There is some sort of apprehension whenever he has to try and go catch a ball when he's surrounded by dudes. I don't know if it's an attention span thing or maybe there's been some fumbles in the past that have scared him a little bit more from from running up and catching the football. But you're right. And we've seen it this year too, by the way. I think one of the uh, my bads in that Wyoming game was him letting a punt bounce and it ended up rolling like 25 yards downfield. Like he's he's he has to understand that that's a part of the job and go up there and do it. If he can do that, if he can start show that he's willing to do that consistently and he makes good decisions, by the way, because that's another part of the punt return gig that's not talked about enough. You have to understand when to go up and get the ball and when to let it bounce. If if he can do that, then he should remain the guy. But if there's still that apprehension, and we'll I mean we'll see pretty quickly against Kansas or Oklahoma. If that apprehension is still there, it's in Sark and this team's best interest to find somebody else. I think that guy very well could be Jonte Cook, who, of course, we got to see catch a uh, a long pass on Saturday. Hallelujah for that. If he had not stumbled on the uh, the yard marker, he might have taken that one for an 80-plus yard touchdown versus a 50-plus yard gain. But somebody like that, who does have experience returning punts at the high school level, 
and is looking to prove himself, I think uh, a guy like that might have the chops to do so. But just make it an open competition if you feel like that's warranted. If you believe Sark from yesterday, it's not warranted just yet, but it may very well uh, become a necessity over time. Yeah, if we're talking about a fumble against Kansas this weekend, then all of a sudden that does become a necessity, right? Like, I expect Xavier Worthy to figure it out. I think Jeff Banks, this team's special teams coach, will get with the guys and get some things corrected because, look, Texas is better than Kansas. Texas is a 17-point favorite against Kansas. This is a game that you should win. Uh, even if you do have a special teams miscue on Saturday. But Kansas is a hell of a lot better than Baylor, and you obviously don't want this to be an issue that pops up week in and week out. You want to get this corrected as quickly as possible because, yeah, you might have two two of, if not your two toughest games of the season coming up this week and next with a really, really good Kansas team coming to town. Yes, we're talking about football. And, yes, I said really, really good Kansas team coming to town and then obviously the Oklahoma game next weekend like right now those are the two ranked opponents that Texas has on its schedule now I think by the time K-State gets here in November they're going to be back into the top 25 because they always have a non-conference slip up I still think that team is really really good but uh yeah I mean you you don't want to be giving offenses as good as Kansas's offenses as good as Oklahoma's short fields because of special teams miscues against Baylor's backup quarterback who should have been playing defensive back or maybe should have been playing lacrosse. Uh, no big deal. But against Jalen Daniels, this conference's preseason offensive player of the year, and against Dylan Gabriel, those guys, they're not turning those mistakes into field goals or turnovers on downs like Baylor did. They're turning those into touchdowns, and then you could get into some trouble. Right. And a quick look at the YouTube comments line. Greg said, who would be better than X? JSDTX says it's so hard to catch the ball when 11 people are trying to level you. Both of you guys are right about what you just said. I'm not talking about his entirety as a player because Xavier Worthy is maybe as talented as anybody on this roster right now. But because of the 11 guys trying to level you, it takes an extra level of commitment to do the full scope of that job. And up to this point, and even going back last year, we've seen that apprehension out of Xavier Worthy as well as the occasional mistake. And as you just said, BK, you can get away with it against Baylor. Kansas's offense will punish you if you give them the ball back real quick, force our defense back on the field. That's how this defense does become exposed. And that's not because they have a flaw necessarily. It's just that's what happens when you face good competition and cough the ball up deep in your own end. Yep. Kansas will turn those into touchdowns. I think Baylor turns the two special teams turnovers into three total points. Kansas will do much more with that. Yeah, absolutely. And Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington probably owe the defense steak dinners because uh, they bailed them out in those situations right there. So uh, that was the only blemish for Texas. And well, I guess sideshow Bob. Uh, do we need to talk about Bert Auburn at some point? Like that guy, what, he's, he's missed a kick in three of the four games that Texas has played in thus far? Like, you know, Texas hasn't played in any nail biters just yet. They've won every game by double digits, so they haven't needed a clutch field goal from Burt Auburn and it's not like he's missed every single kick that he's attempted this year but uh not the most promising sign seeing what we've seen from Burt Auburn and he missed a what was it a 26 yarder on Saturday like that I know the game was in hand but that is inexcusably bad from him they, they got to make sure that that guy is buttoned up for when they do play a close game CB says Dicker missed kicks all the time yeah I feel like Dicker did have a tendency to miss kicks in the first half which is more concerning because oftentimes it was still a close ball game, and that was an era where Tom Herman was losing games by three or less points. 
But uh, yeah, it's it, it's funny because going into the season, nobody was really all that concerned with place kicker. It seemed like between Will Stone handling kickoffs and Burt Auburn handling field goals, things were fairly set there. But this may be another scenario where if you see another missed kick or two, you got to open that competition back up. Especially when the guy is yipping to the degree that he's missing it from within 30 yards. That's inexcusable. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at Cameron Dicker's college stats right now. 60 made, 79 attempts. So, at a 76% clip for Cameron Dicker over the course of his college career. Uh, his best year, though, his senior season by far. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bert Auburn last year was 21 to 26. He only missed five field goals over the course of the season. He's already missed three over the first four games. So that the pace is not where you want it to be right now with him. You know, he he did make a couple of clutch kicks last year. Unfortunately, right. he didn't get the hype that Cameron Dicker got because Dickers were game winners. I think of the huge kick that Auburn had against Alabama, right? The go-ahead kick then, mm-hmm. that, that could have been the game winner, but, you know, the defense allowed Bryce Young to do Bryce Young things, and unfortunately, we know how that game went down. And then the long game tire in Lubbock to force overtime. Everybody remembers Bijan fumbling the ball in Texas losing that game, but Auburn hit that clutch-ass kick to force OT in that one. So, like, I, I still feel good about him in a clutch moment because of what he did last year, but... Shoot, when you're missing 26-yard field goals, like like you said, I mean, that is uh, that is a concern for sure. Yeah, Jason, I agree with this sentiment, by the way. I was much more on Tom Herman and his game management stupidity than it was a Cameron Dicker missed kick in the first or second quarter. And if you really think about special teams for this Texas squad this year, BK, the only unit that has been consistent other than kickoff, I guess, because most kickoffs are going into, if not out of the back of the end zone, so you just kind of erase that one is the punt team. Ryan Sanborn has been at as advertised. Now I've seen some people suggest that he is Michael Dixon level. Good. Let's go ahead and take a breath there. Let's, let's pump the brakes. Yeah. When a, when a bowl game MVP first Sanborn, according to CB yesterday, I probably need to look this up to fact check it. Michael Dixon right now has the best career punting average at the NFL level too. Yeah, and he speaks both English and Australian, so don't forget about that. As we found out when you and I interviewed Michael Dixon, that uh, that factoid that you brought up to him that had him completely confused <laughs> about who the hell he was speaking with and why he was wasting his time at that at that job. Yeah, the language gap between Australia and England uh, and in English and America, yeah, it really got him. But Ryan Sanborn has been really good, so that that has been a net positive by far and a great get in the transfer portal by this UT coaching staff. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Other takeaways. I know you and Bucky talked about Texas's win over Baylor yesterday, both during the morning show and during the midday show, but uh, anything else from a rewatch that's on your mind from, from what you saw, anything you heard from Sark after the game or yesterday that, uh, that stood out to you. As frustrated as people were with Quinn Ewers through three quarters of that Wyoming game, Something that we talked about last week, BK, I think is really resonating right now. And that is Quinn Ewers in 2022 would let a bad game snowball into a worse game. But what you saw to Quinn Ewers and not just the physical changes, which are well documented at this point, but really a change in mentality and a change in perspective to where he's not letting some negativity pull him all the way down, but he's trying to stay positive 
He's trying to stay vocal as a leader, which maybe goes against his natural inclinations as somebody who's a little bit more reserved. And we saw in Wyoming that he eventually pulled through and started making those plays. And I think you saw that carryover against Baylor on top of the fact that they did a better job of running the ball early on. And boy, how lucky are we to get to watch Jonathan Brooks as an encore to Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. But Quinn Ewers was not only making plays against Baylor, but what else was he doing? He was doing a better job of setting his feet in that game. Yep. Something that we hadn't seen up to this point in the year. It's part of why he was so much more accurate throwing the ball at all three levels, including some of those deep balls. It's great to see. I mean, that was Quinn Ewers' highest completion percentage in a game during his Texas career. He was incredibly efficient, both with his arm and with his legs. Obviously, that long touchdown run was pretty cool to see as well. You can add that element to this Texas offense, and that makes this group that much tougher to stop, right? Because now teams got to be a little bit conscious if they're playing man coverage when they turn their backs to the quarterback. They got to be at least, I don't know about fearful, but they at least have to have the thought in the back of their mind that, uh, maybe Quinn Ewers can't take off and run if we don't account for him. So uh, that was nice to see there, and it was just nice to see Quinn do everything that he did on Saturday. That was about as clean of a football game as he could have possibly played. Yeah, I feel like I heard you and Kevin talking about this earlier than most at the start of the season, that Quinn's straight line speed is pretty solid. Like, we saw him pick up plays with his legs last year, even when he was fat Quinn Ewers. Now that he is, uh, now that he is more Dr. Quinn than he is Mr. Ewers, uh, we're we're seeing that still, which is not completely surprising. What I was pleased to see, though, on Saturday, speaking of footwork, I guess, because it looked better on the throws as he moved from right to left before he eventually went upfield. First game of the season, that was him probably tripping over his own two feet and falling to the ground and somebody getting credit for a sack. He showed a little bit more fluidity there, was less clumsy, which means that uh, he is really locked in right now. And that bodes so well for the totality of this football program. Well, Quinn Ewers has the opportunity to put some narratives to bed this week, I think. I mean, we've seen two really good Quinn Ewers games. We've seen two really bad Quinn Ewers games. Uh, we're looking for that consistency, right? I mean, he was spectacular against Alabama. He was sensational against Baylor. We know what this dude is capable of, but you can't just ignore the fact that the Rice and Wyoming games went down the way that they did. So we're looking for two games in a row where Quinn Ewers plays well. And how about a game at home where Quinn Ewers plays well this season? Now, I did it last year at times, but so far he's been awesome on the road. The hostile atmospheres have not gotten to him at all. And he's played his two best games of the season, two of the best games of his career away from DKR this season. But we haven't seen it from Ewers in back-to-back -back weeks, and we haven't seen it from him at home this weekend. So like, th there's still... Some narratives, there are still some doubts that I think people have about Quinn Ewers, like not what he can be, because once again, we've seen that from him, but can he be more consistent than he was last year, but also more consistent than he's been this year? My guess is that we do see that this weekend for a couple of reasons. One is that he is continuing to carry that positive mojo forward, and he is going to build on what is now essentially four quarters of solid performance because they didn't really play in the fourth quarter against Baylor. The backups were in for much of that. But also, Quinn plays his best ball when the lights are brightest, even though it was an unranked Baylor. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For team last weekend, that was a game that was nationally televised on ABC. It was at night, so it was under the lights. And this weekend, although it is a decent slate for college football, especially when you throw in that Utah-Oregon State game on Friday night, there is one ranked matchup at 2.30, which is again on ABC. That is Texas-Kansas. So he knows that much of the nation's eyes will be on that matchup for more people to judge for themselves whether this Texas football team is legit this year. And I actually expect this to be a closer game than Vegas has it predicted as right now, which is more than a two-touchdown victory last I checked. I believe it was 15 points. 17. 17 points. Wow. I think it's going to be a closer game than that because I do think it has a bit of a shootout feel to it. But I'm also confident that Texas ultimately wins the game, not just because the defense will tighten up when they need to, but Texas offense will be a little bit better throughout the day, and that's only possible if Quinn Ewers plays, maybe he can get away with the B-plus game because the D is so good, but an A game in all likelihood. Yeah, he's played his best in big-time games, right? You think of the Bama and Oklahoma games last year. You think of the Bama game this year. This is a ranked opponent. And, yeah, all of a sudden, this game against Kansas does feel like a big-time game because Kansas is 4-0 and they're ranked in the top 25. And, you know, Ewers has a chance to make another statement. Uh, he's he's still being talked about as a potential first-round pick in next year's draft. He's still talked about as a potential Heisman candidate this season. So uh, with the eyes of the nation paying more attention to the Longhorns now than they have in a long time. I mean, people always pay attention to Texas because that's just the cachet that the Texas brand carries. Right. But, you know, when you're a top-three team in the country, hell, it, people will pay attention to UCF if they're ranked number three. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter who you are. When you're – Ranked in the top three to five, everyone's going to be watching your games week in and week out. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to be locked in to this one on Saturday, and Quinn Ewers can further elevate himself in the Heisman standing and also further elevate himself in the eyes of NFL scouts with a uh, a solid performance this weekend against the Jayhawks. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think this game's going to turn into a shootout because I think Texas's defense is good enough to where they can slow down pretty much any offense they go up against. But you've talked about this a lot since the season started. If there is a game that might turn into a shootout where Quinn Ewers and this Texas offense needs to go for 35, 40-plus, it might be this game against Kansas because of all of the firepower the Jayhawks have offensively. So, uh, once again, I trust this Texas defense to not let things get out of hand on their side of the ball. But this, uh, this game might require a really, really good Quinn Ewers performance for Texas to make sure that they remain undefeated. Look, you're going to see Lance Leipold make a concerted effort to run the football for a couple of different reasons. One is because he has a couple of really good running backs, and his offensive line has struggled pass blocking at times. If there's something they do well, it is run blocking right now. And on top of that, he's trying to keep the ball out of the Longhorn offense's hands. He wants them to be out of rhythm, and one way you do that, because they're probably not going to be able to do it with defensive talent, is to give them the ball sporadically. So if they can find some success running the ball early, including with Daniels at times, which by the way, I know he feels like one of those guys who is chronically questionable 
heading into games, but I heard yesterday that he is actually questionable for this game with a back injury. Have you heard anything like that? Yeah, I mean, he's been banged up all season long. Um, he missed Kansas's first game against Missouri State with that injury, right. and he didn't start their second game but ended up playing a decent amount in their second game. And he's played every game since week one, but if if he gets hit hard, you can see a grimace, and you can see him kind of reach for that back. So he's definitely not 100%. And yeah, I mean, if he's not going to slide and he is going to take off and run, then, you know, I'm not saying cheap shots or anything like that. Of course not. But there's an opportunity for, uh, you know, if Texas lays a hard hit on Jalen Daniels, then he uh, he might think twice before taking off and running, which is maybe his best weapon as a quarterback. Not to go Greg Williams on the situation, but if the guy leaves himself open to take a hard shot, this defense has a responsibility to make him think twice about running the ball down the field. Bounty gate, what, are you going to offer up an NIL deal to anybody who hurts Jalen Daniels on Saturday? No bounty gate. Just okay. do your job. Just, make it, <laughs> just do your job. Uh, all right, we'll, uh, we'll talk plenty of Texas and Kansas, of course, throughout the course of the week right here on Trey and BK. Um, also, oh, I, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but why we started a separate broadcast for the afternoon shows here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. A lot of you people have been asking me about video podcasts, right? Like the way it's been on Texas Sports Unfiltered, it's been one long continuous video stream that you can access after five o'clock when all of our content is done, but it's all one video and you have to scroll through to find the shows that you want and the segments that you want. So in an effort to make things a little bit easier for you people out there, uh, we are separating these broadcasts and hopefully that will give us the ability to post each show as its separate video. So you can watch if you want to catch Bucky and BK by itself, you can do that. If you want to watch chaos theory or hanging with hearts or chip and Z, whatever, whatever show you can watch them in individual videos. So we're trying to make this as easy as possible for you guys. Of course, we've got the audio podcasts that are always separated on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you can check out the app to hear some replays of some of our shows as well. But once again, in an effort to uh, make this as easy and enjoyable as possible for y'all, we are working on those individualized video podcasts here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And I think the best way to do that is to uh, separate our videos over the course of the day. I won't get into super technical jargon for why that works, but I think it is going to work. All right. Some love to our sponsors. Trey, I'm not going to make you do any live reads today because you sound like shit. So we'll start, we'll start with a uh, recorded spot from our friends at Audio Visual Consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. And Camilla McKay. Kid, what time is it? Oh man, it's back to sports time. The hockey and football seasons are upon us. And baseball is winding down to the best part. And what about basketball season? I'm 5'2". Who the hell cares about basketball? Yeah, we're talking about watching, not playing. And in that case, you've got everyone covered, right? That's right. Audiovisual Consultations has been providing awesome systems and service throughout Texas for over 30 years. Installing home entertainment systems and livening up restaurants with 
incredible audio and video systems. We're talking multi-screen video walls. And home entertainment that puts you in the best seat in the stadium. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678. Hey, aren't you forgetting something? Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Hug your kids until they beg you to stop. Watch a game with your friends. And make love to whoever the hell you want. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678 or visit us at avconsultations.com. Go Stars! Go Bruins! Kid. Shout out to AV Consultations for their great partnership. And a reminder, we'll be giving away a 75-inch 4K LG LED TV as part of our 5,000 subscriber giveaway. That thing closes tomorrow night. So if you haven't registered, make sure you find that video on our YouTube channel and sign up for our 5,000 subscriber giveaway here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Also, shout out to our friends at Covert Bee Cave. We'll be out there this Friday for another pre-game Longhorn luncheon. Looking forward to that. Food will be provided by Smokey Moe's Barbecue and Verde's Mexican Perea. Come hang out with us. Talk some Texas football. Trey and I will be broadcasting our show live out there at Covert Bee Cave. Should be a hell of a time. And we announced it earlier today, Trey. This is big news for you. I don't know if you heard this. Ricky Williams will be our guests on Friday, November 3rd. Out at Covert Bee Cave. So the day before the Kansas State game, Ricky's actually getting honored on the field during that K-State game on Saturday. But the day before, Friday, November 3rd, out at Covert Bee Cave, legendary lifetime Longhorn Ricky Williams, you know, the guy who has the field named after him, is going to be our guest out at Covert Bee Cave. So, Trey, you will have the opportunity to ask Ricky Williams why he blocked you on Twitter. Wait, is he going to be on our show for a few minutes? Uh, I don't know. I think he might be upstairs at covert, just schmoozing with, uh, with the folks who come out to see him, but you could try to get Ricky on the show for a little bit. I'd be happy to even record beforehand or something. If we needed to, I don't know if he has any interest. Like I know I've had fun with that over the years and I am genuinely curious, but I think Ricky and I could have a, a really interesting conversation. We are more alike than we are different. Unfortunately for Ricky. Yeah, I was going to say, don't tell him that because then he's not going to show up at all. He doesn't want to be compared to you, dude. Oh, nobody does. My kids no. tell me all the time, Dad, stop saying that I'm like you. Oh, my God. So yeah, no. The life of drugs. Here's what we have to do. I have to start the interview with Ricky because if he sees you, he might not do the interview at all. And the hope is that you can just walk in there and then – get some questions in and then hopefully Ricky doesn't up and leave right after he sees you. I don't even know if he knows what I look like. Normally I keep myself pretty hidden when I'm watching Ricky. Do what? Whatever. Uh, see that right there is why you're blocked. That That's shit right joke. there. It's I'm about joke. to block you on my social media accounts too, because of that. I don't stalk Ricky. It's not stalking. It's more voyeurism, if anything. That's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. So Ricky Williams will be our guest out of Covert BK. We'll, we'll be promoting that a bunch between now and November 3rd, of course. But, uh, yeah, Ricky came on with Bucky and BK this morning. It was a lot of fun. So make sure you check that conversation out on the podcast. But, uh, yeah, make plans for this Friday and every Friday before Texas home games. I guess we've got three more of those this year because the Texas Tech game is on that Black Friday, so we won't be having a covert luncheon then because the game will be going on then. But uh, three more of those bad boys this Friday, and then the BYU game and the Kansas State game, we will have you covered out at Covert 
Bee Cave. Shout out to them. And also a shout out to Olipop. I was drinking a can of the uh, root beer flavor. Trey, I've got you some Olipop next time I see you. Sweet. Got a little six pack to bring to you. Maybe that will help get your voice back. I don't know. But Olipop is really, really good stuff. It's the great soda flavor that you love, but it's actually healthy for you. Inside of every can, you're getting nine grams of fiber, only two to five grams of sugar, only a few calories. The taste is absolutely there. I'm telling you, Olipop is the real deal. If you've Stop drinking soda because of how bad it is for you. Well, try some Olipop. It's good for you. And once again, the flavor is what you want it to be. Olipop got me back into soda, and I think it will do the same for you as well. All right. We have to get into your voice, dude. This is all this is all bachelor party stuff, right? Like the fact that you don't have a voice a couple of days after a bachelor party is telling all of us that you are now too old to participate in bachelor parties. Is that what we've learned? No, this is a chill group of dudes. There was a conversation happening at one point by the oh boy, should I put people on blast here? Ah, fuck it. The fiance is not listening. The groom to be, and then one of the married guys whose wife is about to have a baby. They were pushing hard for the three and a half star strip club that was somewhere near Canyon Lake, which is where our calling it a lake house, but it was actually a river house because we were on the Guadalupe River. So they were pushing for that. And I'm like, I'm not spending a goddamn dime at this place because strip clubs are a colossal waste of time and money, but I will go for the people watching. Whatever the Canyon Lake three and a half star strip club is, oh. is ripe for material. Now, unfortunately, that didn't happen, I guess. Unfortunately, for the sake of show material, because we're a bunch of guys in our late 30s and early to mid 40s who don't have the energy to stay up much past 10, 30, or 11. So we went and actually drove up there after uh, Vivi's volleyball game on Saturday morning. Once again, the Dynamite destroyed the competition. We don't keep score, but if we had keep, kept score, it would have been something like 77 to nothing. You don't keep score? No, not the first... In week seven and eight, we keep score. Week seven is to get the girls ready because there are a lot of tears when there's a scoreboard. And week eight is the actual tournament. So in the six weeks leading up to that, it's really glorified practices. Think of it as uh, several Saturdays worth of spring games. Oh, my God. Dude, that is awful. They don't keep scores at youth sporting events anymore. What am I supposed to bet on? This is entry-level volleyball. There's still things to bet on. If you want to come watch a game, you and I can uh, be placing some side bets. But that's all the, all the reason why it's more impressive, why so many parents and some of the kids and the referees have come up to me claiming that I am the Nick Saban of second and third grade girls volleyball Cedar Park Spike Frogs. I just I, I take the compliment. I say thank you. I appreciate the effort that my girls give me. This is all about culture here. And I feel like we've got a healthy culture. All right, Tom Herman. So talking, talking about culture, they won't be listening to you. So you, you hear New Braunfels, which is where I heard this lake house was. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's about an hour away from here. No, it was far enough off of I-35 because Canyon Lake is not right on I-35. Or it was more of an, like an hour and a half drive. So a three-hour round trip to get there and back. We go there. Uh, we end up going and floating the river not long afterwards, which is about a three-hour trip. That was fun. Everybody, except for me, is getting just completely hammered. I actually, if I'm being honest, uh, had a little bit too much gin the night before, so I wasn't really feeling the uh, the hard drinking life. 
but it was cool because there weren't a whole lot of people on the river. So we kind of had the river to ourselves and we got off the river at like three 30 or so. So in the middle of the two 30 games, unfortunately the two 30 great games weren't all that great. And we did miss the end of Clemson, Florida state, but we just hung out and watched football the rest of the day. That included Texas Baylor and Ohio state and Notre Dame. And two of the guys that were a part of this party were one was a Buckeye grad and the other was a big Notre Dame fan too. So it was fun to watch them go back and forth. Mm, not a Notre Dame grad though, right? Just a Notre Dame fan. He's actually a Texas grad. So he's a bigger Texas fan than he is Notre Dame, but he's got the Irish roots that he clings to tightly. What was it? Kevin Dunn? Similar. They, mm. they actually know one another, but no different people. Who's got more t-shirt fans, Notre Dame or Texas? I'm going Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame because there are so many Catholics in America who have never sniffed South Bend, hmm. but still claim Notre Dame for cultural reasons. Yeah, I don't know if the Baptists claim Baylor, though, you know. It is a unique aspect of Catholicism, but there's also different branches of baptism, of uh of the Baptist religion, too, whereas Catholicism all falls under that same umbrella coming out of Rome, Italy. Yeah, and probably a poor comparison. Notre Dame's actually good at football. And they actually have some history to talk about where Baylor does not. You you may be right. Maybe there were more Baptists who were claiming Baylor during the heyday of the Art Bryles era mm. right before things came crashing down. Yeah, that was a disaster. So that was your bachelor party. You went, floated the river, and you just watched football with a bunch of dudes. You didn't get hammered? You didn't drink no. that much? No, I, I did uh, I did take some psilocybin for the river. People hear that and they're like, oh my God, you took a heroic dose. No, we're talking about microdosing here. It's just like the tiniest little tweak on Lame. reality. Everything Lame. is a little bit rosier. Everything's a little bit more positive. It was a beautiful experience. And I actually introduced a couple of the guys that we were with to this who were apprehensive at first. Okay. So no drugs, no strip club. You sat at home for most of the day. What kind of bachelor party is this, man? This just sounds like a gathering at an old folks' home. What's the deal here? We don't go full throttle for bachelor's parties in our late 30s and early 40s, or most of us don't. Dude, you were all breaks, no gas. Forget full throttle. There was no throttle here. We were all sass, no breaks, for the record. Yeah, no, I look, it was it was very mellow. I was I was honestly concerned going down here where it's like if these guys really want to throw down that I guess I'll be designated driver because I have no interest in getting completely obliterated, even on the river. Like I had a couple of beers on the river, but it wasn't anything excessive. Mm. That was like your one time to get away from your family and really enjoy your weekend and do whatever you want. And you basically did the exact same thing that you do every other weekend. Dude, I'm going to be doing that in Dallas here in a couple of weeks also. <laughs> and I'm uh... And I'm going to be with a single friend who theoretically would, would try and be forcing me out. But I also know that he's a bit of a homebody also. So it's like, all right, let's go have a nice dinner somewhere on Friday. Yeah. And then maybe go grab a drink somewhere. And then that's it. Just turn in because you and I have to be up early for the Texas OU broadcast the next day. Yes, we do. We'll have more info about that next week, but we will be broadcasting live from the fairgrounds next Saturday morning before Texas and Oklahoma 
Uh, shocker, they announced yesterday that that game will be an 11 a.m. kickoff. That's the least surprising announcement in the history of announcements. But, uh, yeah, Texas Sports Unfiltered will have a presence. We're also working on a Friday afternoon show somewhere in the Metroplex as well. So more details to come on that. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to next weekend. Of course, looking forward to this weekend, too. With the back-to-back ranked games for the Texas Longhorns. All right. Before we uh, shift gears and get into some of the other national storylines, maybe the NFL or college football, I want to give some love to one of our newest sponsors, Great Blue Heron Furniture. Custom leather furniture company that's been around since 1991. They focus on heavy leathers, fabrics, hides, ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouses. And I'm telling you, this stuff is gorgeous. There's a link in the video description below that has some information and actually will take you directly towards our Texas Sports Unfiltered collection where you can see some of the great furniture that they have for you at Great Blue Heron Furniture. I'm telling you, you cannot, you will not find more stylish, more comfortable, and more well-built furniture anywhere out there. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off your order. That's right, 15% off. Great Blue Hair and Furniture, simply by entering the promo code HOOKEM. So if you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and that's built to last for decades, not for years, but for decades, you got to go with Great Blue Heron Furniture. I'm telling you, fantastic people. Longhorn grad, they do the very best work. Get your furniture at greatblueheronfurniture.com. All right. Also, some love to Old Stab Beer. Got the hat on today. The best beer that you could find all throughout the state of Texas. Make sure for football season and just for drinking season, which is all year round, you have Altstadt beer at home. You can find it at HEB, Specs, Twin Liquors, Total Wine, TimeWise, wherever you go to get your beer, you can find Altstadt beer. No impurities, no regrets. Trey, I wasn't listening yesterday because I was in Temple, not the city. Uh, the synagogue atoning for my sins. What was the worst sin you had to atone for, by the way? Was the worst sin I had to atone for? Mm. You know, I feel like I was better last year than I was the year before. Okay. I I feel like the older I get, the less awful sins that I commit. Maybe God would disagree with that. He's, He's keeping a better track of this stuff than I am. But I just I feel like I am becoming slightly less of a shithead the older I become. The worst sin I had to atone for, I don't know. Probably. Mm. I'm trying to think hard drugs, ghosting women repeatedly after telling after telling them I they might be the one. Um <laughs> that's pretty but, bad. It's not my best. Uh, I don't know, man. All sorts of stuff. No, no sodomy, Jay Ward. None, Jeez. Of, none of that needs to be uh, apologized for. Sloth. Is that an animal? No, the laziness. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. I'll come up with uh, that'll be a, a bit for tomorrow's show. My top five sins that I have to atone for. Okay. From last year for Yom Kippur. I did break the fast at CeCe's Pizza last night and showed up there in a full suit and tie. That was special. You always do. I think I predicted it last week. I really need Jim Nance outside talking about how that's a tradition unlike any other. And then have that guy playing the piano too. CeCe's has to be somehow worse than it was five, ten years ago, right? 
Like they're cutting more corners than they were five, 10, 15 years ago. All right, dude. So this, this sucks, but inflation has gotten to CC's. What? Think about, okay. How, last time you were at CC's, do you remember how much it cost to get that buffet? Yeah. two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Yeah. When did you go? 1914? <laughs> it was that cheap? The last time I would have gone would probably have been somewhere around 2005. Okay. There's no way it was 299 in 2005. It was either 299 or 399. It was insanely cheap. Oh, wow. Well, the cheapest I remember CC's was 499 when I was growing up. And that would have been, you know, in the late aughts, I think. But I went last night. $8.49. Whoa. They have almost pizza. doubled in price. Dude, insane. I was like, Is the food any better? No, it's the same. Okay. I had a few more options. Service was pretty good. It was clean. Shout out to CC's on uh, North Lamar. I'll give him some love last night for a uh, quality dining experience. But no, it's the same CC's. Same salad. It's probably been sitting out there for days. Same pasta. Same pizza. Just... Double the price, eight forty nine. I couldn't believe it. All right, what's you have to up? Paid it because you hadn't eaten in like twelve hours. I would have paid triple that, dude. Oh, twelve hours? Shit, it was like twenty seven hours. No oh. eating or drinking. I was brutal. It's like sundown to sundown, but for some reason, sundowns last more than twenty four hours in Jewish time. I don't know how it works. What was the last meal before the fast? Pluckers. Hmm. Yeah, it was good, but my dumb ass ate it at like 3.30. Supposed to eat like right before services start at 7, but I ate it at 3.30, and then I wasn't hungry by the time shul started, so I basically gave myself a few extra unnecessary hours of fasting. Sounds like a damn coaching mistake. It is a damn coaching mistake. It was, yeah, it's poorly done. Poorly done. Uh, All right, any NFL, the the, uh, Monday Night Football doubleheader last night, the Eagles get the win. No surprise. I know both teams were 2-0 going into that game, but I think we all knew Philadelphia was better than Tampa Bay. They dominate that game. Cincinnati gets, I guess, some revenge from the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They beat the Rams. Hell, they just needed a win this year to get off the schneid a little bit. Any takeaways from uh, Monday Night Football last night? It was weird to see people react to Joe Burrow like everything's good now. It's like, no, this is a team that still has problems. They need to work through some things in these coming weeks for us to proclaim everything good in Cincinnati I mean, obviously what happened with the Cowboys in Arizona, it was a bit of an emotional letdown for that defense, but it's still inexcusable how bad you were against the run. And as soon as I saw that the offensive line was going to be missing a couple of key pieces just hours before the game, I knew right then and there that Dallas was not going to cover that double-digit line. Didn't think they would lose necessarily, but boy, just when you start to believe in your franchise, BK, they uh, give you a stone-cold slap-in-the-face reminder that they are still the Jerry Jones-owned Dallas Cowboys. Uh, That's how football works sometimes. I mean, contending teams lose to horrible teams every single year. Like, it happens. So I I still think the Cowboys are fine. I still think they're going to win 11 or 12 games this season. Um, it, It doesn't excuse that performance on Sunday. That was awful, and that should have been one of their easier wins this year. But it goes to show you that, if you're not prepared to play against professional athletes, you are going to lose. Like they, they clearly were not prepared. They didn't bring the mindset that they needed to bring to go on the road in the NFL and win this football game. Because they, I don't know if they assumed Arizona wasn't going to try because everyone's talking about them tanking. 
I don't know if they just figured out, ah, you know, they suck so bad. We can just roll in there and do our thing and we're going to win this game going away and it won't matter. You cannot have that mindset in professional sports and expect to win. And the Cowboys didn't bring it on Sunday and they got exposed because of it. Yeah. And if anything, I think that the opposition is going to look hard at that game and realize that this Dallas Cowboys defense wasn't always great against the run last year either. And think about the fact that the first two games of the year, this team was playing from so far ahead that the opposition didn't have a chance to really try and establish the run on this Dallas defense. So you're going to see the Patriots, certainly the 49ers, and some other near-future opponents see if this is a defect in a defense that is obviously really good, in, uh, really good at getting after the quarterback because yeah. if you're able to establish the run, you're also doing a lot to neutralize that team's best player, the best defensive player in all of football with Micah Parsons. Yeah, you're right. And the Cowboys run defense got exposed. I mean, they made James Conner look like Emmett Smith in that game on Sunday. And Arizona uh, Cardinals Emmett Smith? No. <laughs> no, not Arizona Cardinals Emmett Smith. Uh no. Oh God, that that was uh still weird. The fact that that guy ended his career there. It's always weird when legendary players and and their career and other cities you'd never get used to seeing them in that uniform and Emmett Smith in Arizona doesn't make a lot of sense dude as a Cowboys hater that felt off to me that felt wrong yeah so I can only imagine how you guys felt about it oh my god yeah so rough one for the Cowboys and yeah without Trayvon Diggs too that secondary got picked apart a little bit by Josh Dobbs so back to the drawing board for the Cowboys I think they'll be fine but yeah I don't I don't think the Eagle I don't think anybody in the NFL had a better week than the Eagles because they were dominant and the other three NFC East teams lost, and a lot of people were talking about the Cowboys may the be, maybe being the best team in football, and they go ahead and lose that game to Arizona. So uh, with uh, with what Philly did and what the other NFC East teams did not do, uh, people are talking about the Eagles a little bit more, and they look uh, every bit the contender that they were last season and every bit the contender we expected them to be going into this season too. Yeah, and, and they've been a little bit inconsistent through those first two games too. Now, as you just said, with the Cowboys' loss to Arizona, it's a long season, and if a team isn't playing its A game from beginning to end, it's completely understandable, but they have still won those first two games, and this was their most complete performance of the year, so – Watch out. This this Eagles team may have uh, hit their stride right now to where they start blowing opponents out of the water. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, we've got a few minutes left in today's midday program. Trey, do you have the energy for a where are we at segment today? Uh, Yeah, yeah, and I think you have uh, some Travis Kelsey stuff too that might help this one along. Yeah, I do have a sponsor that we can play. Sure. Our friends at Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? And thank you to Steve and Pest Wranglers for sponsoring our daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, we will get a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we aren't losing that inevitable war with the robots 
But sadly, BK, today is not that day. And yes, just when you thought you might be able to escape Taylor Swift by tuning into football on Saturdays and Sundays, well, unfortunately, the Sunday part of that equation is now completely infected. After Taylor showed up at the Chiefs game on Sunday afternoon to root on her friends, her boyfriends, some dude she's hooking up with, one of, if not the best tight end in NFL history, Travis Kelsey, who shot his best shot via social media and a podcast a few weeks ago. And as of now, it either worked or it is one hell of a conspiracy theory that has Taylor and her marketing excellence driving as many people to the theaters for her concert movie that opens in a couple of weeks as humanly possible. Mm. Yep. I mean, I don't think she needed Travis Kelsey's help for that, but she's getting some extra help from that. And now us NFL fans are having to deal with Taylor Swift as well. I mean, it's it was nonstop. And how about her being in the box with Travis Kelsey's mom? Yeah. Like, that, to me, leads me to believe that, hey, this isn't a new thing. Like, this has been maybe going on behind the scenes for a while, and we just started finding out. Like, maybe they wanted to keep this under wraps for as long as they could, and then the public found out about it, so now they're going a little bit more public. But, man, you don't you don't meet the mom that quickly, right? Because these rumors started, what, a week ago? And now she's already hanging out with the mom during a football game? Not long, but it, it didn't look like her and the mom were all that close, though. Like no, that, they were sitting like next to each other, though, weren't they? It did look like it may have been an initial meeting. And by the way, when Kelsey scored his touchdown, Taylor Swift, the first person she turned to wasn't the mom. It was who was ever sitting to her left. Yeah. So I question Trouble in paradise whether this has been nah, not necessarily. <laughs> I just think it's it's awkward dating somebody for a week and then meeting their meeting a parent. Yeah, supposed to act close with the parent when you're still trying to figure things out with the uh, individual that you're romantically linked to. Now, this is not a problem that you ever have, of course, because you tell these unfortunate victims that you think you love them on night one, and then unfortunately they get the Brad Kellner gift bag that very next morning. Uh, and it's not a lot either. It's like uh, the remaining three dollars and twenty two cents I have on a Whataburger gift card. <laughs> That's usually the gift bag that they get. And dude, I yeah, no one no one meets my parents. If it weren't for this job and this career that I've got myself into, I think my parents would think I'm a virgin because I just I don't tell them anything and I don't bring anybody around. The remaining balance on a Whataburger gift card <laughs> wrapped in a bow and some antifungal cream. That's the Brad Kellner. No, nah, I need that stuff. <laughs> I don't I don't just give that away. No chance that's happening. So, unfortunately for football fans, this is probably something that we're going to be dealing with at least through this next weekend. Why? Well, because Kansas City is going to be at East Rutherford for a game against the Jets, I believe. And where does Taylor Swift live? She lives East Rutherford. Oh, okay. East okay. Rutherford. Yeah, close. She lives in New York City, which is obviously right across the river. So, we will likely have the Taylor Swift cam for at least one more game. Then I imagine things cool off for her and with Kelsey too, by the way. And they're like, this, this just isn't worth the pomp and circumstance. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the social media video now. They had to sneak her out of this suite in this giant metal bin that looked like a popcorn maker. 
<laughs> I didn't see that. Rather sweet than that. Wow. This is sweet level too, where people are supposed to be pretty chill about things, but there was a crowd gathering outside of the suite with people who wanted to see Taylor Swift. How about that? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I didn't see that video, but I'm going to go watch this thing. Dude, I got an email from a guy that always sends me betting odds emails. Oh, I get, that. I get that email from that dude. I know where you're going here. Jimmy Shapiro? Yep. And he literally sent me an email yesterday while I was in Shul, a-hole. And with a last name like Shapiro, you should have been in Shul too, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift odds. Literally, stuff that you can bet on right now in Vegas, including what will the Daily Mail dub Swift and Kelsey? Like, what nickname are they going to have? You know how there's Bradgelina? Oh, yeah. That type of deal. The favorite at 3-1 to one is Swelthy. Ew. 4-1 to one is Taytray. 5-1 to one is Trift. 6-1 to one is Tacey. 6-1 to one is Travis. None of these are that good, but you literally can bet on what the Daily Mail is going to call that couple. Well, here's where it gets really weird and super conspiratorial, BK. What's the new State Farm commercial right now with Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? Where it's Mahomes and then Kelsey has to change his name to Maato. Yeah. So he is not opposed to a really stupid nickname mm. in the name of selling tickets or increasing his brand. Nope. You can also bet on whether or not the first public lip kiss between the two will be published. Actually, it's before or after. So you get an over-under. October 31st, 2023 is when the uh, first public lip kiss between the two will make its rounds on social media. I'm taking the over there. I think it happens on Halloween. Okay. So I guess that's after? Yes. All right. It's minus yeah, 500. You said October 21st, right? 31st. Oh, oh, yeah. October 31st. Okay, so that's, yeah, okay, that's more like it. Um, October 31st is a push. Okay. Probably get good odds on that. You can also bet on whether or not Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift will be a couple by week one of the 2024 NFL season. Oh, wow. You can bet on Taylor Swift releasing a song that says Travis Chiefs or football by the end of 2024. And I think I think that's easy money right there. That's a yes. And then the last one you can bet. Well, there's more, but the last one we're going to talk about is you can bet on whether or not Taylor Swift will appear on the podcast that Travis and Jason Kelsey do together. My guess is no. Okay. My guess no, is no to that one. Minus one fifty. So a slight favorite on the no on that deal. Now there is a Native American group that's also lobbying Taylor Swift to use her superpowers. And the fact that she has some influence in Kansas City right now, or at least within the Chiefs organization, to try and help this Native American organization, not in our honor, get rid of the tomahawk chop. Not happening. Sorry about that. Yeah. Indigenous folk or Columbus folk, whatever I'm supposed to call them these days. I yeah. probably don't like that. Indigenous. There it is. All right, we're out of time. That's going to do it for Trey and BK. Trey, get better, my friend. I will hopefully talk to you tomorrow at noon. Coming up next, coming up now, it is Chip and it is Zay. Gentlemen, take it away.